Welcome to Your Health IQ, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of health and wellness. I'm your host, Pam Barnes. And I'm Jay, co-navigating with Pam during our discussions. Together, we're PB and Jay, relaying information about a wide range of health-related topics we think might be of interest to our listeners. We're tackling the big questions and uncovering the science and stories that matter most to your health but aren't making the headlines. Hello, listeners. This is PP. And Jay. Again for an episode. Today we're going to talk about uh, imported products into the U.S. Um, there are five top importers of goods in the U.S. There's China, Mexico, Canada, Japan. And China, as well as Germany. And China has been the top source of U.S. imports for years. Um, that includes, they import computers and cell phones and apparels and toys and furniture. But the significant driver behind why China, who by the way, is actually, um, is actually importing $506.4 billion in products to the U.S. is because of affordable manufacturing and labor costs. This allows the Chinese factory to produce goods at more competitive rates than any other country. Now you do have some, some major partners, import partners, like Canada and Mexico, and what they do is they benefit from the proximity, proximity to the U.S. So their shipping costs are not as great, but they have a free trade agreements with the U.S. to give us gives them duty-free access to many of the products. So when we look at the top imports for Canada, it includes oil, vehicles, machinery, gold, and aluminum. And from Mexico, we have uh, vehicles as well. We get a lot of vehicles. We, I don't even know we're even manufacturing a lot of our vehicles anymore. It seems like all of them are coming from other countries, Jay. Uh, yeah. The Anecdotally, I think Mexico has got a lot of our automobile manufacturing going on, but yeah. perhaps using parts from other countries, including the United States. Yeah, and I, think. I guess that that's the benefit from that duty-free excess when you have your man, your factories located in, in areas like Canada and Mexico. So it saves the con- company millions of dollars um, as far as imports millions. We always say, follow the money. You just took the words right out of my mouth because, (laughs) you know, Americans are so adamant about, oh, you know, nothing is made in America anymore, and, you know, there's no manufacturing, and there's no this, there, that. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, uh, you need to talk to the companies about that because they're the ones that moved everything out of the United States because it meant more money for them, more money in their pockets. Absolutely. And so, let's look at Germany. Uh, Japan is another one. Um, so we have the, their opticals, uh, photos, metal, would I think other than photos, because cameras is a big thing in Japan, um, the electrical machinery, as well as plastics. And so Japan imports about $5 billion of exports into the U.S. And then we have the, the last one, which is on the five tier, which is Germany. 
surprisingly enough, besides vehicles and machinery and pharmaceutical company uh, products, they also have aircraft and spacecraft. That's from Germany? That's from Germany. Huh. And that's $13 billion. Wow, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So, you know, here it is. All these products are coming into the USJ, and we know this. Um, and I know that you probably have a list of things outside of what I talked about as far as food and, and medicine and, and some equipment, medical equipment. So I'm going to let you take it over from there because I just kind of touched on what the U.S. Census Bureau has reported. Uh, and it's based on the class of products, not necessarily specific products or foods. And so I didn't have anything, the Census Bureau provided nothing in the area of food at all. So before I go on, I just have to say, because you know I have an opinion about this and, and I never hold back on my opinion, right? <laughs> this is true, which is, makes it all the more interesting you are. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's why I have so many friends, and you know I have to pay you to be my friend. Anyway, so what's interesting to me is if we have so many products coming from China, a communist country, and we are constantly having heated discussions with China about various topics, I have to wonder how that even works. I am that. It's something that just eludes my logic that we have such a relationship with China. With and a love hate. A love hate, yeah. A relationship. Right, yeah. exactly. And if you go and look at any of your products that you have, whether it be your computer or uh, your food containers or food products or, or clothing, you see right. so much, or furniture. Yes. So much of it is manufactured in China, and so you have to wonder, how does that relationship work? I don't even understand it. It's just very confusing to me. Um, I don't either. So let me, let me add on to that, what you were just saying, mm -hmm. you know. So the U.S., here it is, the U.S. does, does have stringent regulations about certain products that come into the United States and banning certain chemicals, right? Yep. But the process is very slow. <laughs> We're talking very the federal government, slow. Pam. <laughs> it's, it's not a very shock. Very <laughs> But faster than some other countries, okay? Yeah. Um, and then we're not, uh, the, the manufacturers are not required to, to actually report some of the things that should not be included, that should not be included in the products, right? Because you talked about that in a previous uh, podcast where we talked about fragrances. Yeah, how they consider fragrance trade secrets. Right. Yeah, proprietary, and so, mm -hmm. and if you think about the federal government in the United States and the personnel that are probably assigned to review and look at paperwork and look at physical things, items that are being imported, there's not enough people that would be able to do that on a regular and consistent basis. I mean, you and I both know, having worked in the federal government, right. that there's just not enough personnel in the, 
I don't care if you had three agencies doing it. There's not enough personnel to do that. Yeah. With all of and, the imported products. You've got something like China importing over five hundred uh, billion dollars in products. Who? Who? I mean, that's just one country. Yeah. And, you know, and so how how do you? How do you really control the environment? How do you control the products come in? How do you control, you know, what's being exposed to the consumer? I don't know that any, so you and I talked about this how many times before, your average consumer walking down the sidewalk is probably not even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's true. You, you That's go true. and you buy your stuff and you use your stuff and you eat your stuff and you drink your stuff and you're not really thinking about it until that big old recall happens. And then mm-hmm. you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> right. So, right, right, the recalls. Right. It's, so somebody has to, it has to be a, somebody or several people. It's never just one person, you right. know, because that, that usually be a, they consider that an outlier who actually has a problem or who has gotten sick or it's been fatal them to use a particular product right right and and so that kind of is a segue into what I'm getting ready to talk about and I'm gonna try to go through here real quick uh, because there's a lot listeners there's a lot of research that we we couldn't cover if we did this podcast for an entire day there's too there's too much out there uh, so I, I I think we would recommend that you maybe start looking at some of these websites uh, that the Food and Drug Administration, for example, and the Census Bureau that, that Pam talked about, take a look at some of those websites sites and start plinking around because there's a lot of information in there. So let me just start here, and Pam, you can stop me if I start yammering too long. Uh-uh, no, um, I'll let you go for it because I know that you got some information uh, that our listeners could actually benefit from having that knowledge. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty eye-opening. So the USDA, that's uh, the USDA, and I think that's the uh, Department of Agriculture. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a federal agency. According to their Economic Research Service in 2021, the United States imports about 17% of its food supply. 17%. That's more than I thought. Uh, the amount of imported food has continued to rise over the last 15 years in both the total volume of products and the number of discrete line items submitted for import. So in 2021, approximately 125,000 food facilities and farms located in more than 200 countries and territories supplied about 32% of the fresh vegetables, 55% of the fresh fruit, and 90, well, this was surprising to me, 94% of the seafood that Americans consume annually. Wow. That is from the foodqualityandsafety.com website. That's, I thought, why are we buying so many fresh vegetables and fruit abroad? And same thing with seafood. We've got water all over the place. We've got places to grow. We've got farmers. What the heck? <laughs> right. We can go to the farmer's market and see how many farmers are out there, out there trying to sell their produce. Right. I, I thought that was really surprising. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. So, wow. That's a lot. 
of fresh vegetables. That's amazing to me. So I was looking on the uh, Food and Drug Administration website. They have this page called Food Safety News. And I just did a, a, a keyword search for import imported food uh, alerts. And so in 2024, uh, these are three of the taglines that I found. FDA steps up controls on imported food because of pesticides and salmonella. That was in January of this year. Um, Pesticides, salmonella, illegal colors spur FDA to take action against food imports. That was also in January. The FDA scrutinizes imported foods that may have been altered for economic gain. Oh, shocking. Shocking, I say. And that was also in January. So... This is just in 2024. Uh-huh. I, I mean, there, and like I said, there is so much uh, on this website and on this page. I'll give you an example of some of the things that they have on their uh, descriptions of things that they have held because uh, imported foods that they have held. So some of the examples of the reasons why FDA has held some imported foods include Detention without physical examination of mahi-mahi from Ecuador and Taiwan due to histamine and decomposition. Uh, detention without physical examination of aquaculture seafood products due to unapproved drugs, which I believe means that the fish the had fish been treated are, with drugs? Yes. Either they've been treated or they're in an environment like waterways in which there's contamination of certain drugs in it? Yeah. Um, detention I'm without sure. physical examination of processed human and animal foods for pesticides. Um, I could go on and on, listeners, because the list is very long uh, on the Food and Drug Administration's site. And again, if you go on there onto their food safety news, you can find for yourself um, all the reasons why imported foods have been held back. And it's, again, this will not be televised, right, Pam? Yes, absolutely. Who, who's, how are we finding out about this information? Your, your average person. research. <laughs> right. It's, so is your average person doing grocery shopping and feeding their family, are they going on the Food and Drug Administration website looking for this? Because no one's no. telling us about this. They really aren't. No they one's really saying aren't. beans about this. Well, Jay, let me ask you something. Could mm-hmm. you mention something about color dye? Mm-hmm. And that's always been my concern mm-hmm. with meats because yeah. I know they do a lot of color dyeing. To hide um, things. To hide, to hide things. meat that's you old. Know, Really, honestly, uh, people think that they see a piece of a steak that's red and it's got beautiful marble through it, that it, it's probably safe and it's fresh and it's just cut and so forth and so on. Um, yeah. Yeah, they so do that. Talk with about color dye. Yeah. That whole subject is interesting to me. Yeah, and they do the same thing with fish. I think they soak it in milk or something to, to get the white color. I, I can't remember oh. what it was, but they do the same thing with fish um, to get right. rid of the fishy smell because fresh fish is not supposed to smell. It's supposed to smell. Right? right? Right. And so an example of a recent recall, um, and this was for Canada, McGregor's Meat and Seafood Limited recalls frozen ready-to-eat pork products imported without the benefit of import reinspection. 
So they imported things that had not been inspected. And that included, so listen to this, these impacted products were baby back ribs. Um, let me see what else in here. Yeah, with a honey and garlic sauce and some other ones. So people are yeah. So people are eating frozen baby back ribs, but if they are not paying attention to TV, if someone's saying something to the areas that were impacted, the grocery stores, they're none the wiser about what might be in that food, right? And what they're consuming. And what they're consuming, and why? Why did they have to go to the urgent care because they felt sick the next day? Then there was a, a recall of pork chicharrones product, products that was uh, products imported from Colombia that were distributed on the East Coast. Uh, it's it's just amazing. Uh, I could, like I said, I could go on and on for hours about what I found on the FDA website, and they're pretty transparent. It's not like they're hiding anything. Right. You just have to go look for it. That's right? the thing, because it's not going to end up on your news. It's not going to. Yeah. I haven't seen anything on TikTok or, or YouTube or no. um, you know your social media platforms that even discuss this or any of the other things that you know Jay and you and Jay and I actually discuss on our podcast. Right, and so FDA did list the potential health risks uh, with imported drugs. Um, I just was talking about food, so now I'm going to go into drugs mm-hmm. and medical stuff. Sorry, listeners, I went from food to now drugs, because FDA is also uh, involved with uh, import of drugs and medical mm-hmm. devices and medical supplies. And so they listed the potential health risks, and that included the quality assurance concerns, where the item may not have been manufactured under quality assurance procedures, um, to design a pr- and produce a safe and effective product, counterfeit potential, some imported medications, even those that have the name of a U.S. approved product may in fact be counterfeit, hmm. um, the presence of untested substances, imported medications and their ingredients, although legal in foreign countries may not have been evaluated for safety and effectiveness in the U.S. They may have addictive or contain other dangerous substances, uh, some medications, whether imported or not, are unsafe when taken without adequate medical supervision. So you may need a medical evaluation to ensure the medication is appropriate for you. So that is a risk of unsupervised, unsupervised use. Uh-huh. Um, labeling and language issues. The medication's label, including instructions for use and possible side effects, may be in a language you don't understand or may make medical claims and suggest specific uses that haven't been adequately evaluated for safety and effectiveness and a general lack of information. So those are things that are imported from other countries that are meant for regular consumer use and purchase. So, And you also know, or you may not know, listeners, that some people, when they go on cruises from the United States uh-huh. to other countries. Uh, other countries, and I'll say Belize and, uh, let's see, Bahamas, and uh, where else have I been where they've got pharmacies like right there at the dock, <laughs> right. waiting for Americans to come by and purchase pharmaceutical items that they cannot get without prescription in the United States. And who knows what they are, 
whether they are safe, whether they are counterfeit, who knows? But that's going on. Uh, and they bring them back to the United States, pack them in their bags, and they bring them back. And just saying, I'm just nobody, saying. Nobody survives until I'm just saying, something happens. It happens. It happens. So there is this uh, website that I've used very often. It's called Becker's Hospital Review. And they talk about um, hospitals in the United States and CEO salaries and uh, hospitals that are shutting down and hospitals with problems. And it's basically a, a summary of what's going on in the United States hospital system. And so I looked in there for information about um, the safety of imported medical supplies and medical equipment. And they had some interesting things in there. And they said that um, in 2024, there were 32 million Cardinal Health syringes that face compatibility issues. And they these syringes, 32 million of them, okay, they're China-manufactured plastic syringes. Um, they were noticed to have leaks, breaks, and other problems. Now, the thing about these syringes manufactured in China, and they're used, I think, primarily in hospitals, not in your you know, regular doctor's office. They uh, manufactured them in, in a particular mold or dimension, and they were fine. And then China evidently decided they wanted to improve, or they broke the mold, or I don't know what they did, but they changed the, the configuration of these syringes so that the old version were, were fine and they worked great, but they shipped these new ones in a different configuration or just, you know, maybe one little thing was different. And that, you know, sent uh, everything in a turmoil. So now all these syringes cannot be used that the United States purchased, right? Um, so in October of last year, Cardinal Health designated more than 20 million syringes as part of the issue. That's like the new version of what they were using. And so as of January 5th of this year, there have been 15 reports of delayed therapy because of the syringe infusion pumps are not recognizing the new syringes. And there have also been 13 reports of inaccurate volume or rate dispensing, including some injuries, fortunately no deaths. So... <laughs> So you would, with zero deaths, right? So that's you would, alarming. Yeah, well, yeah, you would think. Well, I'm in a hospital, and you know, uh, what do you mean? What, what do you mean a uh, problem with the dispensing of that drug into my system? You know, what do you, what right. do you mean? So that's kind of scary. Um, yes, because, it is. Because that's only from the Becker's Health Review. I don't know what what's actually going on, and neither going do on. you, Pam, and neither does anybody else, because right. you're just a patient laying in Absolutely. a bed, relying Absolutely. on products. Yes, yes. And, and, and you know, and I know, and our listeners know, there are both public hospitals and then there's private hospitals. And so that distinction alone depends on, you know, what's reported by either or. You know, so you're, you're re right. You're relying on it being publicized so that you know. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and that's only if you are paying attention. If you are a news sure. junkie or if you watch TV and there's some kind of a you know, major whatever on your local news. Right. 
again. Yeah. <laughs> again. Right. I didn't I didn't know this and I research a lot. You research a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think you knew about this. No. The syringes. No so I had no idea because of the fact that we've had syringes for decades, decades. People use syringes for all kinds of things. Absolutely. But I never even and, thought about where they're manufactured either. Both legally and illegal. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Right? Right. Exactly. So we don't know what happens, because they say what happens to those syringes that were rejected. Well, funny you should ask that, Pam. Because you would think that the United States would say, oh no, see all these syringes that don't work? We're sending them back, mm-hmm. and you guys are either going to replace them with something that works, or you're going to, you know, pay us, refund us. Pay us back, right? Well, no. evidently that's not what happened. Evidently, FDA just said, um, "Healthcare workers, just don't use those. Use use the other old syringes that oh work, and use the glass syringes that are pre-filled from other countries." Oh my god. <laughs> We wonder why our economy is the way it is, and why the taxpayer dollars are going out the window. Oh, here it is. Yeah, I, I, I have no words. But here's something you may have heard about. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I heard about it here, where I'm at. So, do you remember the recall of the eye drops because of their contamination, and people were either going blind or they were um, injuring their eye injuring. because of the yes. the contaminated eye drops. Yes. So that happened in late 2023. The FDA issued an alert warning consumers to stop using 26 eye drop products because of the potential risk of infection that could lead to partial vision loss or blindness. Mm -hmm. Major retailers were CVS, Target, and Walmart who carried those products as store brands. So. Oh, I didn't know they were. I didn't know either. They wouldn't mark the store brand. I didn't either. That's usually the lower cost point, right? Yes. Um, these products were made in India by the Killich Healthcare. Mm-hmm. So inspections by FDA, uh, they did a they visited India, FDA did, to find out mm-hmm. the root cause of all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Inspectors with the agency reportedly saw workers not donning proper protective gear in sterile areas and observed them fabricating test results so products appeared to be safe. Test results from environmental sampling showed critical drug production areas were contaminated with bacteria. They also found that uh, some workers were walking around with no shoes. So, these eye drops that were supposedly sterile, made in India, somehow made it through the import process, whatever that is, to get the the products into the United States. Those stores labeled them as their store brands. People used them, and they were contaminated. And the only thing that brought anything to attention was someone either, you know, became blind or got a serious eye infection. Absolutely. Because of the... I'm sure that it was more than one person. I would think they would have to be. And that person was 
smart enough or their healthcare provider was smart enough yes. to alert somebody to, to find that, okay, what, uh, what eye drops are you using? Where'd they come from? And actually look. Right. And, and make a stink about it. Absolutely. Right. So uh, here's something really alarming to me. Um, this will be the last example that I give you uh, and the listeners, Pam, because I'm droning on here. But in 2023, um, the FDA apparently got wind of some therapies that they were using for cancer treatments. Uh, evidently, these medications were their, their CAR T. Uh, they were made by uh, China, uh, a company in China. And uh, evidently, there was a manufacturing site in Durham, North Carolina. And oh. these medications, after the inspection, the facility uh, evidently had bad quality control. And so the FDA is currently investigating a potential link between the risk of lymphoma, <gasps> cancer, and yes. BCMA-directed and CD19-directed CAR T-cell therapies. So something as sensitive and something as critical as cancer therapies yes. being a problem because of the way they were manufactured and not checked because of quality Absolutely. control. Um, to me, that's pretty darn scary. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So all, you know, here it is. We get to the point in our, the U.S. system, that we have all these regulations in place. We discussed that we don't have the, the, the bandwidth, human bandwidth, to actually expose everything. We have to depend on, on people and, and people in the healthcare system and people who are actually using these products to alarm the U.S. that something is wrong. Um, and these companies, the business information that these companies provide in the import process, they have, of course, masked some of this information as confidential business information. And so the restriction on using certain products or even in the case of what Jay was talking about, compounds, um, has been, it, it has a great impact on our health and safety. So as we move forward in the next, in, in 2024, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what can I do better, not only for myself, but for those that I love? And what information can I provide to those people who are not aware of what's happening. And we're asking you, Jay and I are, are here to be your advocate, to try to help you to gain knowledge in certain areas that you won't find on television. Uh, we use science and we use factual data in order to bring this information to you. And we hope that you find that our podcast is providing some light or insight into your future that will actually improve your life and the lives of those you love. So on that note, Jay, I'm gonna share our quote with the listeners. This comes from Peter Drucker. I didn't know who Peter Drucker was and I heard the name before and Jay knew him very well. 
Um, he is a pioneer in, in, in management, has revolutionized the field of modern management theory and practices, and his work has focused on the importance of constantly reevaluating and building upon existing knowledge and practice. And I think this quote is great for this episode. And it says, knowledge has to be improved, challenged, and increased constantly or it vanishes. 